Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. What's happening, everybody? Uh, welcome to another episode of the Movement Boxing Podcast. Uh, I am Twine the Divine Liberty of PoopJab.com, also, of course, the Movement here. And I'm joined with my cohort today, uh, also the Movement. And uh, the truth and facts about boxing, we got Bo. What's going on with you, man? Uh, another day. Another day, man. All right, and we should be joined by uh, TK a little bit later on in the show, uh, TK the Prodigy. Uh, formerly of the guys of Boston Talk. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you ready to dive into these topics we got going on today, man? Uh, we got some pretty, oh, some pretty interesting ones, man. You know what, dog? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, let's go. All right, man, uh, we're going to start off with uh, pretty much the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, they had their, their draft and all that pretty much recently to uh, announce their matchups for the two different divisions that they're having uh, the tournament in. Uh, first one being super middleweight, and the next one we'll be covering in the, is the cruiserweight division. Uh, so they did their draft for the matchups uh, for everybody involved in the tournament over the weekend, and we'll uh, get into pretty much uh, the matchups that are that were announced. Uh, so like I said, we'll start off with the super, super middleweight tournament matchups that were made. And it's looking like... Uh, we got the top four seeds in the tournament are George Groves, who's a, well, what is he, the WBA champion, I believe? Yeah, uh, yeah I think he yeah. might be. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, the WBA uh, WBA champion. Uh, Caleb Smith, who uh, will be fighting for the WBC Diamond title, and we'll get into that whole rigor morale later, later in the show in his first matchup. Uh and we got seeded number three, uh, the winner of the Chris Eubank Jr. matchup and Arthur Abraham matchup coming up this weekend, which we'll also be talking about later in the show. So the winner of that matchup will be seeded number three in the Super Series. And uh, ranked number four is uh, Jurgen Bramer, uh, ex-champion, you know, out of Germany. Uh, so let me right. see uh, the matchups we got going on. Uh, let's see. So it's looking like uh, George Groves, uh, he'll be facing Jamie Cox in the quarterfinals. Yep. Okay. And let me see what else we got going on in here. Uh, Caleb Smith, he'll be going against um, Eric Skoglin uh, for the WBC Diamond Belt title, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more detail about how that came about um, as we progress through the show. Um, so that was pretty much how those first two matchups go. Then um, it's looking like uh, Arthur Abraham. Well, uh, Chris. Well, let me see. Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, opted for Avni Adiram. 
Chris Eubanks Jr.? No, he's fighting out the Abrams. No, I know that, but that's who they'll be fighting, uh, like, after that. So whoever is oh, yeah. uh, yeah. that fight, they'll yeah. be fighting uh, Abney Adirum in the tournament. That's correct. That is correct. Okay. Let me see who else we got here. And it's looking like uh, we got Derry James, uh, protege. Um, he's trained. Rob, man. Rob Brent. Yeah, he made Brent, the jump yeah, up. He, uh, he he's up moving up, up from, from middleweight to 168 to join this tournament. Um, and he'll be facing uh, ex-titleist Jurgen Bramer. Uh, so that's a pretty inter- interesting one right there. That's actually probably a good one for him to test himself at, because Jurgen Bramer was a was a long time champion. He's of course he's the elder statesman and attorney. You know, um, hey, that is definitely a good uh, step up for him. You know, his his first fight back up at one sixty eight. Let me give props uh, to two K actually for correcting me on this. Uh, Brandt actually started his career at one sixty eight before moving down the middleweight. So that was something I wasn't aware of. I thought he fought his whole career at uh, at uh, 160. So um, okay. props to TK for clearing that one up. So he, he'll be moving back up to 168, which is so apparently it's a weight that he's comfortable at. Um, of course, he's trained by Derrick James, and he'll be facing Jurgen Bramer. Uh, let me go ahead and get your – well, I guess we'll start off with um, George Groves' fight initially. Um, he'll be fighting um, – let me see once again. He said Jamie Cox. Jamie Cox. Um, how do you feel about that matchup initially um, in the quarterfinals? Uh, it's a fight that Groves should win. Jamie uh, Groves has experience. He has that championship pedigree because he's been in a lot of championship fights as well as finally winning his first championship. Um, Jamie Cox is, uh, you know, he had 23 fights, 13 knockouts. I, I don't see him opposing no, like, dangerous threat to him. Still sort of uh, green in the aspect of, uh, and I know nowadays you have 20-some-odd fights. People like to say you're not green, but what I mean by green is if you look at his level of competition, he hasn't faced anybody like Rose. So, he's, you know, he's still sort of green out there in the U.K. circuit. So uh, this this is a fight that Groves should win because Groves has the experience. But Jamie does have youth on his side. Jamie does have, uh, you know, he he has those youthful legs and that youthful energy. And as we've seen as of late, it seems like, you know, these, these youthful guys get in the ring with some of these older battle-tested one veterans, and they've been able to, you know, come out on top. So and he definitely has youth on his eyes. He definitely has good, uh, uh, decent boxing ability. I, I, I mean, I can only gauge off his opponents that I've seen him in there with. And he, he seems to have good, decent uh, boxing ability and decent power. He's got 13 knockouts out of 23 fights. So, you know, it's definitely respectable power. But uh, this is a fight that Groves Gro- – Groves should be able to win this fight. He, he he has the experience and that pedigree. That should be enough to carry him uh, to uh, probably a, a unanimous decision victory. All right. And uh, it's looking like um, in this matchup we'll have Caleb Smith taking on Eric Skoglund for the WBC Diamond Belt, which was uh, – man, it, it's a whole big st- – story behind it as far as why, how that came about. So I'll get into it now, I guess. Um, Kalen Smith, of course, was scheduled to fight uh, Anthony DeRill for the WBC title, um, mm-hmm. you know, prior. And, um, you know, there are some, some issues that came up to where 
I guess um, from what we're hearing, um, Anthony Darrell wanted to change the venue to uh, Flint, Michigan, you know, to try and, right. you know, do something to support, you know, the, the, the crisis out there, of course. And, you know, pretty much Eddie Hearn wasn't, wasn't having that, you know, for the most part. And so, you know, um, the WBC presented Kalen Smith with the opportunity to get this WBC diamond belt because of that haggle and negotiations. Um, so the winner of that fight between him and Scoglin will be the WBC diamond belt holder. Um, and I guess they did that to make it more, uh, to kind of make put more prestige on the tournament and add another belt at stake. Um, so, I mean, pretty interesting move by the WBC. Um, also by uh, Kalen Smith been doing this. Uh, let me get your thoughts on that, Bo, and on this fight with Scoglin. All right, well, you're, you're, you're giving the uh, – let me make a correction. Jamie Cox is actually one year older than Groves. But because uh, I said he had, he had youth on his side, he's actually one year older than Groves, so let me correct that. Uh, you're giving the WBC too much credit. WBC is full of shit on this one. Look, um, I understand Caleb Smith and them didn't want to fight in Detroit because they had already agreed to the venue uh, when Al Heyman them won the purse bid. They already agreed to the venue, Okay. And then, of course, Anthony Durrell wanted to change that. So I, I, I don't have a problem with them saying, listen, we already agreed to a venue, and then you change the venue. My problem is that uh, Eddie Hearns did say that, okay, listen, we're not going to fight in Flint, okay, but we're not going to enter the tournament either. And I remember the article where Caleb Smith wasn't going to enter the tournament because under, uh, Anthony Durrell didn't enter the tournament. And in that same article, they did express the concerns with him trying to change the venue. My issue with this is the WBC should should have stepped in, which they didn't, and instead of trying to be a mediator where all points are happy by saying, well, we'll give you a diamond belt, which the diamond, what the fuck does a diamond belt mean? What the fuck is that? You know? So we'll, we'll give you this WBC diamond belt to not hurt your feelings instead of saying, well, you guys got to try to work this shit out and, you know, come to some type of, of fucking agreement. You, you, if you don't want to go to Flint, fine, but you guys should work this out and come to some type of agreement. And they didn't. So they handed him a diamond belt, and, you know, he entered this tournament. Now, props to him for entering the tournament. And what they should have probably did was put this fight on in the tournament. They should have said, well, listen, if you want to fight in Detroit, then this is what we'll do. We'll make the fight in Detroit, but this fight got to be part of this tournament. See what I'm saying? I mean, exactly. Like, they should have yeah, mandated like, right, that. Right, yeah. See, my thing was there was no options that would use it. WBC just, okay, we're going to appease you motherfuckers. Like, what the fuck? You know, it ain't God, even that. It's, it's, another, it's another money grab by the WBC because they get more mm-hmm. sanctioning fees uh, out, of, out of these fights. So, you know, like I of said. Of course, because if Caleb WBC. keeps winning, you keep getting sanctioned fees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or whoever's winning throughout the tournament, you know, that fight, that title mm-hmm. is going to be at stake every fight, you know, throughout the tournament. Every fight. Um, right. And so you got to think there's yeah. still another WBC belt at stake, which we'll get into later um, right. when we get into that topic. So, like I said, the WBC, they, they put the money grab out there to sanction the fees for, for the. Yeah, they're showing their ass. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, but I, I like the fight. With you, you think it's, it's a? You think it's them handling handing it to him basically? Hang on, what now? Do you think it's them basically handing him a title? Most definitely. Well, he, he I think he already was a champion. 
You got yeah. Colin Smith and Groves, but outside of that, who knows the rest of these guys, man? <laughs> Very true. Uh, and so it's looking like uh, the winner of the this weekend's Christopher Eubank Jr. and uh, Arthur Abraham match will be seated number three, and they chose to go with the uh, I believe what was the name? Avni Yidam. Yes, yes. Uh, yep. That'll be the opponent. Yeah, so that'll be their opponent for that fight. Um, not much known about him. I, I haven't necessarily seen seen him fight. So I mean, like I like I was saying, um, you know, a lot of uh, guys we don't know about. Um, but you know, there's a. Uh, Couple of titles at stake here. You know, you got the IBO title in there with Christopher Eubank Jr. If he, you know, whoever wins that one out of uh, him and Abraham, you got of course the WBC Diamond Belt in there, and then you got a uh, George Groves, who's uh, of course a WBA titleist. So I mean, you know, there's some belts at stake here. Um, I'm not sure how the IBO is getting so much goddamn mention still, um, but I'm pretty sure Bernard's loving it that they're possibly becoming the fifth organization, um, become a, a unified, you know, become unified in a division, which I, I mm-hmm. think is, yeah, I don't really want to see that happen, but it is definitely looking that way. Um, what do you think about that, that fight as far as uh, the winner of uh, Abraham and Christopher Eubank Jr. facing uh, Yidam? Um easy walk through 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 the quarterfinals or, or are you expecting them to have to go through a rough one against this guy? You know, it depends. It really depends. I think it's gonna depend on the performance. If Chris Eubanks blows away off the because that that's what they said they wanted. They wanna do what nobody ever done. Which is uh um knock him um, out. Knock him out. So if he knocks and then he's fighting this guy Turkey, and 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 who only has sixteen fights, ten by knockout. So that that does at least tells me the guy has punching power. But then it goes back to the experience factor. Chris Eubanks has the better experience. Chris Eubanks will have the better pedigree. Uh, and Chris Eubanks actually, you know, he's been training over. He's trained a few times over in America with the uh, with uh, Floyd Mayweather Sr. Yeah. So uh, one can look at it and say easy walkthrough. I would have to put it up there as an easy walk. I, I, I'm not trying to say Arthur Abrams is, is an easy walk through, but at 37 in the wars he's been through, he looked that great against um, that Mexican guy. You just, Gilberto Ramirez, Zordo. He looked that great. He looked that spectacular against Zordo. So, yeah, I mean, if, if people look at it as an easy walk through, I won't be upset because it, it very well possibly could be. But he might have chose that because he might have a tough fight with Abrams. I mean, uh, he's been in there against some formidable, guy, uh, formidable guys, you know. Um, you know, Marky Antonio uh, Paraban, you know, very rugged guy. You know, he's been in there against him. He's been in there against that champion, Glencoe Johnson. Uh, Aaron, uh, you know, this uh, Avni Yerdrum guy. So he's been in there against a couple of tough guys, you know, so, some formidable yeah, but, guys. But, I mean, yeah, this, but uh, formidable guys as far as, well, you know what? For a guy with 16 fights, you would expect him to have those names on his resume. So I'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you know, I mean like, it, it, might, it, might, be, it resume, might be a nice fight for uh, 
for uh, Christopher Eubank or whoever the winner is. I mean, I would expect the Arthur Abraham to be able to have the experience to beat this guy, but, you know, Abraham is on the decline as well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, like I said, this guy might give uh, either one of them a, a stiff, uh, stiff test in there. Uh, I think you're being a bit more optimistic than me. <laughs> yes, do you think so? I mean, yeah. I'm not. You know, I've never been that high on Christopher Eubank Jr. personally. Well, I'm like, not that high on So that's why I'm like, I don't. Like, I don't think he could bust grapes either. Like, as far as him expecting to knock Abraham out, he ain't got the power to do it. Like, I, I, I don't see him having that kind of power unless. You know, he was losing power, cutting weight to make 160, you know, which I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his power, like, I'm with you as far as him having power going up is what I would, you know, he's having power going up is what I would question. You know yeah, what, too, unless he keep in mind. He didn't necessarily have it at 160, you know, so going right. up to 168, I, I wouldn't expect it either. Now, I will say this about your boy, Avina. I will say this: He, he the, the guy who you just named, Marco Antonio Perez, he went to Mexico to fight that guy, and so I'll give him that. His last two fights were one was in Italy, and, and um, I mean, you know, what I'm saying like he, his 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 last two fights wasn't exactly, you know, most of his fights have normally been in his backyard. So his last two fights wasn't in his backyard. So he's used to traveling, fighting. So yeah, I, I don't think yeah. he'll be. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying though. I'm, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying. Like the guys he fought, you know, have had winning records. They had over twenty some odd fights, so you, we can take that into account. But I'm just like, you know, like Pyraban. I remember hearing that name, but he really, he was a decent fighter. But I can't really gauge him because he didn't really like step up, step up. You know, he hasn't had like a step up, step up fight himself. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, so um, I mean, it's looking like we'll, we'll see what happens. That they're fighting uh, as far as Christopher Eubank and Dr. Abraham this weekend, and we'll do a breakdown of that fight later in the show. Um, mm-hmm. so these are the last two fighters remaining, which was uh Jeremy's Jurgen Bramer and uh Rob Brandt, you know, uh, making the move back up to 168, um, fighting. Um. I think this is probably the most intriguing matchup of the first round, possibly. Uh, let me get your take on it, Bo. I like this fight. Actually, this is a good. This is a good test for Rob Brandt. It's a real good test for Rob Brandt. Now, um, we haven't seen Jurgen Bramer since he lost to uh, Cleverly, Nathan Cleverly. We haven't seen him. But the, what we did find out is, if you you know you can outwork. Um, Jürgen Bramer. Jürgen Bramer is almost 40 years old. And when you're 40, coming down in weight, because he fast forward at 175, now he's coming down to 168. So when you're 40, coming down in weight, that could play a major role on his body and how this fight's going to turn out. But it also gives Robert, it also gives Rob Brandt, and, and you know, uh, for us to see, you know, hey, what do you have? Because you're in there, you are in there with a seasoned veteran. Um, you are in there with the guy like Jürgen Bremer will probably be the best guy he's probably ever faced that'll be on his resume. So let's see what you can do because if you do have the goods, either one or two things going to happen. Either you're going to dominate Jürgen Bremer for 12 rounds, or you're going to knock him out and get him out of there. Which either either or is 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 the statement you want to make going into this tournament because you don't want to seem like you struggled 
against a guy coming off of a loss where he got out worked in almost 40 because if that happens, then everybody's going to be looking at you at food. I think he's, I think Robert Brandt could be the dark horse in this fight and because keep in mind, he, you know, like you said, he's coming in there with Derrick James and that, and that camp, and they run a very good camp over there, Derrick James, and he can get some good sparring in yeah, with yeah, Charlo and Spence and all them. Yeah, they run yeah. a very good camp. So, you know, I like this move by him. You know, like uh, 2K said, he fought at 68 before. And since we don't know what's going on with Endom and Murata, and that's because he really is in line for that. But since we don't know what's going on with that, you know, he's like, listen, I don't want to be stagnant. You know, you know, uh, I don't want to be sitting still. So, you know, he jumped in this tournament, and, hey, man, man, props to him. Yeah, and uh, winning this tournament definitely probably uh, – would give him a whole lot bigger name and a whole lot more credibility having multiple, being able to uh, win multiple titles and throughout one tournament. So, I mean, um, it's definitely uh, probably something that would be more beneficial. Um, you know, it's a weight that he, he seems to be comfortable with. Um, you know, uh, I'm actually picking him to possibly win. I think he could actually win this whole tournament, man. Um, mm. I, I, I'm not picking against a Derrick James fighter right now. That, that man is tough. I mean, he's building stallions out there, man. Um, I just, uh, I, I, I was surprised about the jump up actually, but you know, once I heard uh, 2K tell me he he fought at a uh, 168 prior, you know, to move him down to 160, I was like, okay, I'm not a uh, too too shabby or too uh you know not too uh shocked anymore about the decision as I was initially. Um, he did fight as an amateur at 172 as well, so he's a guy that cuts weight. So you know um, he right. has some a lot of power at 160. Um, wondering how we'll be at 168 actually. Um, you have any other uh? Thoughts about uh, I mean, who's your who's your favorite going into this tournament, man? I mean, you got to look at George Groves because of his experience factor and the guys he's been in there against. Um, who's your favorite in this tournament right now? Honestly, man, I don't have to pick a favorite because any any one of these fights, I can see upset, and that's 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 really the truth. I just Cox probably coming out on top of Groves. I could see uh. Well, Smith, Smith should, should be okay. I see Banks uh, um, should be okay. Grant should be able to beat Bramer, but once you get past that, then you go with they fight each other. So it's kind of hard, man. It's, I, I, it's one of them things you just have to see it. I play that tournament, that tournament. But if I had to pick a, a person right now, I'd have to go with Groves, but my dark horse would be Brand. Yeah, and, of course, we have uh... – Another up and comer in Kano Smith, who, you know, a lot of people think he, he's the big thing, you know. Uh, yes. Um, at 168, so I mean, we'll, we'll be. This is this is definitely going to be an interesting tournament. It just doesn't have the the star power that I think are the elite the elite names that uh, of course there are at a, uh, you know that are that are enter at cruiserweight, um, and which we'll go ahead and get into. Uh, to those fights now, actually. Um, man, uh, pretty awesome. I, I This tournament is so damn deep, man. It is just so deep. Very deep tournament. Um, we, we've talked about it a while. Um, 
we were excited about it even before Usyk was thrown thrown through his hat in there. Um, we thought it should have been talked about then. Now that he's in there, it wasn't talked about at first, but now we're seeing a lot more, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, news about it. Uh, but let me get your thoughts about uh, this initially, man. What fight is this? I'm sorry. Okay, um, I guess we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the first fight. Let me see. Yeah, we're about to talk about the Yeah, you got Marco versus Usyk. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and chop it up about that one. Um, I haven't seen the seedings actually. That's what I was actually looking for. Um, let me see. Yeah, it's Marco Hook. Uh, versus who? Uh, Usyk, but but Usyk, Usyk. Um, Marcus Breedis is uh facing Mike Perez. Mike Perez. Then you have um, you have Dorticos facing Dimitri. Dorticos facing they got Dimitri. Uh, uh, Kudusai, Chris and then you have, okay. Chris Wright, and then you have uh, Garcia fighting um, that guy who's actually his mandatory, if I'm not mistaken. That guy, he's. Yeah, Chris Valarchuk. Yes. So you have that. That's that's the fights right there. All right. So I guess we'll do. uh, I mean, Usyk and Huck is a very interesting fight. Um, Let me get your thoughts on it, man. Um, I mean, Usyk didn't necessarily impress people in his last fight, even though he came through with the KO, um, with the late knockout in the fight. Um, let me get your thoughts on this one, man. He's facing the agent Marco Huck, who was the the, the one time on time king at a uh, right. Um That's right. That's now right. He, he he's the new guy, and then now you got Usyk, who's the new young gun. Who, you know, everybody's saying he's that he's the guy. You know, saying he, he's you know he's untouchable at one at one ninety, man. So let me get your thoughts on this. We got the vet against the youngin. Uh, 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 I actually, I don't He didn't look like the Usyk. Um, uh, you know, he didn't look like Usyk that we saw in title. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't like against Glowaki. Yeah, I like this fight. He didn't look like the last. Like he didn't look like the Usyk that won the title against Gowaki. So I kinda like this fight. But at the same time, I I also think that Usyk might have fought like that because that was nervous energy. He was trying to make a statement. And you know, he was trying to uh let everybody know. Uh, you know, you know, you know, you know how it is like when a guy leaves the train and gets a new trainer, he's trying to make a statement. Yeah. So, you know, uh So, yeah, I like this fight. I like this fight. I think this is going to be a, a curious fight because if Usyk comes out and he's the Usyk uh, that we remember, then he's going to be hard to beat, okay? He's going to be very hard to beat. I just couldn't stop his performance of how he looked and how dominant he's been looking. You have to look at him as the early favorite. But, you know, he's going to be like, – a lot of people think Marco Huck is done. I don't think Marco Huck is done. But a lot of people are looking at Marco Huck might be done. No, I don't think Marco Huck is done. And we're going to find out right away. But it's an interesting fight only because of how Usyk looked in his last fight. 
he didn't look that great. And that's the only thing that makes it interesting because if if if, if the the guy he last fought was able to touch him up, Marco Huck could be able to touch him up too. I mean, it's a different style. You know, like they say, styles make fights. Um, his last fight, he was against a guy that was actually doing things counter to what, uh, you know, Usyk is used to. He's used to guys standing in front of him, so he's usually the more athletic guy doing more movement. You know, in his last fight, it was the guy that was actually using more movement against him. So, you know, he had to be, you know, he was on the other end being the, the, the stalker for the most part. Um, I think we should see in this fight, considering the Huck style, he stands in front of you and likes to counter with his power shots, you know, um, and rough you up. Um, We're going to have to see him at a high activity, have a lot of activity in this fight, which hasn't, he hasn't had in his recent uh, outings. Um, but, you know, um, he's definitely a uh, uh, style that I think Usyk is more uh, more uh, favorable with, you know. Um, and like I said, you know, you know, he's not with uh, Uncle James Ali, you know, who's uh, Bashir Ali, of course, who, who's, you know, uh, uh, of course, a big guy that, that's been on our show a couple times, both real close with him, um, talks with him all the time as well. Um mm-hmm. He was actually a former trainer at Usyk, so I mean he's not would necessarily have the same camp. So I'm not sure what we're going to necessarily see stylistically from right. Usyk, you know, look moving forward. I mean he was using a lot of movement in the angles before that we're used to seeing with like a, a Lomachenko, and he's now with the uh, Papachenko uh, Anatoly. Um, so I don't know if he's going to implore more of that style again because he didn't really do it in his in his most recent outing. Of course, and, you know, like I said, it was a style that was different. Um, so I would expect him to go back to that in this fight, you know, against a guy that's a little bit more stationary and is in front of you. Um, um, I would expect Usyk to get a unanimous decision, though, in shine over, uh, over um, Huck in this fight, though. Uh, what about you, Bo? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go to KO. Man. I think Uzi's going to try to knock this guy out. Man, it's definitely possible. Definitely possible. I mean, it's definitely a plausible uh, outcome, man. Um, you know, we have seen him put out before. Um, yeah. So it's definitely a plausible outcome. Um, you know, we've seen Usyk put up put up a string of, of knockouts recently in his last two fights, I believe. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely uh, be paying attention to this one. And let me see. Uh, we'll go into one of the other fights. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty interested in seeing uh, Breedis against Mike Perez. That's a very interesting fight to see where Perez is at. You know, um, he's been inactive. He signed with Eddie Hearn. You know, and he was in the fight recently. I don't think he necessarily should have been in this tournament, man, because he hasn't been active enough. And you know, um, especially not being at cruiserweight prior. You know, I think this that was his first fight back at uh, cruiser. Yes, he was. So I mean, I don't think he should have been one of the names that was put in there. Personally, I mean, I, I'm kind of opposed to his name being in, in this tournament that was that deep because there's definitely another big name they could have put out there personally. Um, 
Let me go ahead and get your thoughts on this fight with him and uh, the young Breeders. I do not see Mike Perez being successful in this fight. <laughs> I'm just, I, I, and everybody thinks I'm crazy and they keep saying there's something about Mike Perez. Listen, Mike Perez has not been right since he hurt that, that big heavyweight in that one fight that he was last in. So uh, he's in there with Bradis. We know we know that Bradis, not Brandon, Bradis can punch. <laughs> we, know <what> we, do. <laughs> we do know one thing about Bradis is Bradis can punch. Uh, he has an extensive, uh, you know, he's 32 years old, 22 and 0. And, you know, he's just one of those guys that we know that that come, you know, he uh, he fought Marco Huck, uh, you know, he fought Manuel Char. So, you know, he has some he has some he has some good name on his resume. I just don't think Mike Perez upstairs mentally has enough to beat Bradis right now. I just don't think. I know everybody's saying he's in the best shape of his life because he's a dark horse. I don't see what everybody else sees, so I I see Bradis yeah. winning this fight. I mean, when we first talked about this, uh, when we uh, talked about the tournament uh, last week, you know, before they did the uh, the draft and the matchups this uh, past weekend, um, you know, my pick was actually Bradis and um, Usyk being in the finals. So I mean, that's how high I am on Bradis. I think he'll give Usyk probably the best fight out of anybody mm-hmm. in this tournament. Um, I know you're pretty high on Dortico's, but I think stylistically, I think Bridges. Oh, ooh. You think I'm high on Dortico's? You're not going to think so when you hear my analogy. <laughs> All right, so I guess we're going to go into his fight next. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about that one. Um, Dortico's will be facing uh, Dmitry Kudrashov Dmitry. Uh, yeah, of Russia. Um, this is probably actually a pretty interesting fight. Um, Dortikos, of course, undefeated, knockout artist. Yasha, right. same thing, knockout artist. He's only lost once um, in his career. Um, definitely an interesting fight. Um, let me get your thoughts on this one, though. Um, you got some insight, you know, uh, with your dealings uh, with the, those guys down in uh, Miami. You know, um, let me get your thoughts on this one. All right. Well, this is a dangerous fight for Dortikos in the fact that Yes, we do know that Demi, uh, the guy Dimitri lost, but his only loss came to Bradis. And we all know in, in that. Hello? Other than that, he's. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, okay, we got you now. Is that all? He's 21 and 1. So all 21 of his fights ended with him knocking people out. All of them. All of them came back. He only had one loss, and that's to Bradis. This guy that we know can hit and get people. That tells me he has good punching power. Now, this normally wouldn't be a big problem, but the problem with Dorticos, outside the fact he does have that long arm reach advantage, like 80 or 83 inch arm reach advantage, but the problem is, and 2K said it too, he sets and plants his feet when he punches. And when you're set planting your feet, that means someone else can pull back and you're not in, you're not. Uh, you're not in a position to get out of the way of a punch. He does in every punch. He goes to the body, but you can kind of catch Dortico's rhythm. He won one two, one two three, one two three four, one two well one two four or one two three. And if you can time his rhythm, you can kind of catch him a little bit because again he plants his feet, making himself a stationary target. So 
this is a good fight for Dortico's as far as testing him because this guy could have Dortico's answer some questions we've never seen him ask himself before. What do you do when you get hurt? What is it like when you see somebody in there with someone that has the same amount of power as you and pop you with it? You know, what happens when that arm reach advantage isn't enough for you? What happens? So it's a very dangerous fight. And I, I, listen, we could be looking at two Cubans being eliminated from the tournament early. We very well could be. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm just, hey, man, we got to be honest with ourselves. Is this We've never seen – this is why I wanted him to fight Shumanov because I'm like, okay, we could have got somewhat of a, of a, of a um, you know, page on you. But now you're fighting a guy who does at least has experience from being in there with a big, big puncher in Bradis, and that experience could carry over into this fight with you. And he is a big puncher, and you're a big puncher. But what happens when he hits you? Now, we got one thing he has, the only advantage that Dotico's has is one thing we know about the guy he's fighting, he's been knocked out. So you can't knock him out, and we know this, okay? You definitely can knock him out, and we know this. I just don't want it to be a situation where Dotico's get too anxious thinking, I'm going to go blow, away, blow him away and knock him out, because nine times out of ten, we've seen in boxing, when that happens, you're the one that gets knocked out when you try to do something like that. All right, um, and that's going to lead us to our, uh, I guess, uh, our last initial preview, I guess. Um, we got uh, Mira Garcia taking on uh, Glowarczyk, um, who's his mandatory. Um, pretty interesting fight. Um, mm-hmm. I expect, uh, me personally, I expect, um, I expect Garcia the, the, the course win this one. Um right. Pretty big puncher, um, of course, trained by Abel Sanchez um, out of that stable out in Big Bear. Um, Larchek's the old veteran that's a uh, two-time champion at Cruiserweight. Um, he, he's been been through it all, man. So, I mean, very rugged and experienced guy. He should be able to put up a, uh, you know, put up a good test of, a testament of himself in this fight, man. Let me go ahead and get your thoughts on this fight, Bo. I like this fight. Um, let, let me make myself clear for all my people out there. I'm not saying that Dorticos won't win. I'm not saying that at all, period. <laughs> I'm saying he, he's going to be tested. But, no, it's a, this, this, this fight is a very interesting fight. It's, uh, it's actually one of those fights that um, I'm with you. Gassiev should win this fight. All, all the champions have the ability to win this fight. Gassiev is winning this fight. My only my only thing with Gassiev is, uh, as we saw against Lebedev, because he punches with so much of his upper body and arms, he tends to gas a little bit. And, yeah, you know, he's that's a, a pretty, pretty muscular fighter too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a concern, uh, especially when you're going deep into this tournament. When you get in there with guys like uh, you know, uh, you know, and stuff like that, and you're gas, you know, because even. Although Uzi didn't look good, we still saw him even in the very last round step on the gas. You know, he stepped on it in the very last, so he, he's in shape. But, yeah, I, I like it. But at the same time, it's just one of those fights where, you know, put it like this, each guy in the first round could take a fight. Each one of these guys is fighting somebody that has the potential to take some out of them going into very the true. next round. Very true. Very true. Good point. Are you going to upset him? You know, there's uh, some very experienced guys in this field to go along with these young champions. So, I mean, uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see how how this tournament plays out. But you know, um, uh, who's, who's your early, early favorite in your dark horse in this one, Bo? In your uh, in this tournament. My only favorite is uh, Usyk. My dark horse is Dorticos. Okay. Because actually, when you think about it, he's the one with the least amount of experience. Yeah. You know, yeah, on, the, on the big stage, yeah. Yeah, very yeah, true. He's the one with the least amount of experience. So. All right. Uh, so he's going to go ahead and go into uh, – the rest of our our breakdown and uh, topics for the week, man. Um, we have some pretty good announce other announcements going on. Uh, we suspected this fight was going to be made, and we were waiting. You know, I guess it was close to going to purse bid, but they finally came to an agreement. Um, Terry Flanagan will be facing the uh, Felix Verdejo, uh, September sixteenth, the uh, same day as uh Canelo and um Triple G, um fighters in the UK. Uh, they'll be fighting for uh. The WBL 135 title, and uh, which is Verdejo has been his mandatory for quite some time. Um, Bo, uh, your initial thoughts about this fight, man? It's uh, hmm. Terry Flanagan is probably one of the guys there that has that uh, uh, bullseye on his back, uh, so to speak. Um, Ever since Croyer lost, he's probably the one got everybody looking looking at now like he's fooled. So, kind of hard, man, because Felix Vidal did not look that good. This is actually a fight that I could see Terry Flanagan winning. Because Felix Vidal did not look that good in his last fight at all, period. And he didn't. Felix Vidal did not look that great at all, period, in his last fight. So, I could definitely see... um, Planning and winning this fight, and you know I actually questioned Felix Vidal focus because remember he supposedly turned down this fight at first because he didn't like the money. You know, so interesting fight. I could see Fidejo, I could I could see Flanagan winning this fight because I'm I'm worried about Fidejo's mental state, and like I said, he didn't look that great in his last fight. Uh, but what's even more of a concern is whoever whoever wins this fight. May not be holding on to that title very long if you look at the 135 pound division, because like if Mikey Garcia, whether he win or lose to Adrian Broner, I don't, I don't see Fidejo Flanagan beating him. I don't see see Fidejo Flanagan beating uh, Jorge Linares or hell even Robert Eason Jr. So whoever wins this fight may not be holding on to that title very long if one of the other champions try to come get get some of them. But good fight, interesting fight. I'm glad they were able to pull this off. But I could see Flanagan winning. I could definitely see Flanagan winning, and um, like it's a fifty-fifty fight to me, man. It's a fifty-fifty fight as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I honestly think Flanagan uh, will will fluster Verdejo. Um, I think he'll actually win this fight. Um, he showed me enough in his last outing to where I think uh, he has enough to beat Verdejo, who hasn't really been impressive um, in his more recent outing. You know, um, his last, uh, I think his last impressive performance was probably against Ivan Bam Bam Nahara, you know, um, and that was quite some time ago, you know. um, So, I mean, Verdejo, um, 
I mean, we've been waiting for his breakout party, and, you know, he's seemed to kind of regressed a little bit. Uh, one thing of note to put out there, he uh, finally switched camps, which we've been crying for for over a year with him. I mean, a lot of people have. I know I've been one of them saying that he needs to leave his uh, amateur trainers. Um, okay. You know, um, he's been working with Abel Sanchez, so um, Abel is his, is his trainer for this fight. Um, you know, it's his first camp under Abel, so I'm not going to put too much on him. Um, you know, that there's no language barrier, so I, I should think there's uh, been no problem in the transition. Um, but we'll see how that goes, man. Um, Abel's good with the – seems to be better with pressure fighters as far as training them. And that is, uh, you know, Verdejo seems to be a guy that wants to be very offensive stylistically. Um, so, I mean, it is going to be interesting to see what Verdejo does to – I mean, as far as Abel Sanchez does maximize Verdejo's potential in there, especially in this fight against Flanagan, because he's definitely going to have to uh, pressure Flanagan to win this one, because, you know, Flanagan's a pretty, pretty tall, rangy, rangy fighter as well. Uh, not as tall as Easter, I think. He might be maybe an inch shorter, inch or two shorter. But, um, right, pretty right. rangy, pretty rangy guy, nevertheless. Um, so Verdejo is going to have the pressure him to actually uh, to win this fight, you know. Um, but, you know, I'm probably leaning closer to Bo now with 50-50. Um, I'm thinking Abel might be able to implement some, some positive changes in Verdejo. Um, I'm pretty optimistic on that one, though. So, you know, we'll see. Okay. All right, um, we'll go ahead and go to uh, our next topic, which is one we've mentioned a couple times. Uh, are we we kind of tickled um, a little bit um, earlier? Um, it's looking like Anthony Durrell would be fighting uh, David Benavidez. Um, it's still in the works, so it's not official yet. Um, but it's looking like uh, for the vacant title that he was supposed to be fighting Caleb Smith for. Uh, Super middleweight title WBC. Um, he'll now be fighting uh, the next ranked opponent, which is uh, David Benavidez, who you know he's uh, pretty impre- been pretty impressive uh, recently. Um, you know since uh, his incident, you know getting shot last year, um, he's put in put in some spectacular performances. Um, right. Well, what's your thoughts on this fight, man? Initially, and everything that's going on with the WBC and their handling of the situation. Well, the handling of the situation, uh, the fact that, you know, they're having this fight and this fight is like we, like, like me and you just talked about this fight is for, um, I think this is for what? The WBC regular champion, right, the, yeah, the regular yeah. title. Yeah. So the handling of this was piss poor done. Right. So the handling of this was piss poor done. Okay. Let's just, Call it what it is, and let's be honest with ourselves. The handling of this was piss poor done. However, I like this match up. I'm going to tell you why. Because, and I said this, and everybody got mad at me when I said it. I said, yo, Anthony Durrell just went out of the frying pan and into the fight. Look, this kid, David Benavidez, he, most fighters you want them to have like a very good long amateur background, but here's the thing, though. He gained tremendous amount of experience 
fighting in training camps with guys like Gennady Golovkin. Uh, and that's an experience in itself because he even helped Golovkin prepare. He helped prepare Golovkin for um, uh, Daniel Jacobs. Okay, so you got him in there in sparring with guys like Gennady Golovkin. You got him in there with Canelo. He turned pro at 15 in Mexico. So he has the ability. We saw it on display. He did to Porky Medina what no one else could have done. No one else could have done that to Porky Medina, what he did. Matter of fact, we didn't see nobody else do that to Porky Medina. James DeGale was even telling everybody how hard it was to knock out Porky Medina, let alone hurt him, and he goes in there and blasts the guy. He shows the skill uh, as far as movement, giving you angles, using it half in space, his jab, his body work. All of those are danger for Anthony Durrell because Anthony Durrell, although Anthony Durrell has dog in him, the only thing he's ever lacked, and I've said this, is Anthony Durrell just lacks the ability. His brother is probably the more gifted of the two fighters. Durrell is just the dog. Well, David Benavidez is both the dog and the gifted fighter. And Durrell can start off slow sometimes. Anthony Durrell can be a slow starter, and this is not a guy you want to start off slow with. So this is a dangerous fight for Anthony Durrell. I'm leaning toward David Benavidez because his recent body of work and he's the more active fighter, and you know, you know what's that old saying? You know, knives sharpen knives. So he's been the more active fighter, as where Anthony Durrell hasn't. He hasn't had a fight in in a minute, and we just saw David Benavidez fight recently, and what a performance it was. So uh, I like David Benavidez in this fight. All right, uh, pretty interesting, pretty interesting uh, pick. Uh, and actually, um, but dude, Jack uh, was able to knock him out as well. Uh, just to put out there about Porsche Medina. So, I mean, Medina's been in there against some rugged guys, top of the division. So, for David Benavidez, 17-0, and 0, uh, the young guy on the block, um, I mean, that's definitely an impressive victory, the way he put out uh, Porsche Medina, because not too many guys have been able to do that, as uh, as you mentioned. Um, let me get your uh, – let me get your uh, – ask this question as well um, since you said that. I kind of wanted to piggyback off of something you said. Are you higher um, – I mean, because you said he went from the firing pan to the fire. Are you higher on Benavidez than uh, Caleb Smith? Oh, much. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. I really am because Caleb Smith isn't the mover that Benavidez is. You got to remember something, too. Benavidez – He's a big 116-pounder. Benavidez, I believe, uh, somebody was telling me, or I remember hearing something about he actually at one point went as far as up past, like almost cruiserweight when he, in, in, in one fight he, he had. So Yeah, yeah he actually lost a lot of weight. Uh, he got in the boxing to lose weight initially, and look at him now. Yeah, so he's a big, he's a big strong boy. He's a, he's a strong kid. Yeah, and young, youth on his side, man. He's definitely going to be a force to reckon with at 168 as long as he can make weight, man. Um, I'm definitely interested in seeing the fight. Um, I mean, you know, um, that camp that David Benavidez is, you know, over there with Oscar Valdez and all those guys out yep. in Carson. I mean, they they're 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 out there. He's out there putting put some some real guys out there. Um, their trainer is no joke, you know. So they're they're definitely maximizing 
out there. Um, he's improved a lot of guys. Benavidez, uh, he's moved out there permanently since getting shot, and he seems to be taking boxing seriously, you know, since yeah. uh, being shot. You know, um, it's, it was an unfortunate incident, but it seems to have uh, lit his fire, you know, um, when people were starting to think he was starting to lose focus, you know, at that time as well. Um, he wasn't yeah. as impressive in fights, and he's put on some 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 very impressive outings outings recently. So it was definitely something that seems to have triggered something in him to change him. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does at 168. Man, he's definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, as far as the real um, man, he we're gonna see how much dog he got in him. Because he, he's definitely going to need He's going to need, he gonna need every bit of He's going to need every bit of it with this guy right here. Yeah, he can potentially be in a, in a dog fight for real in this one. Um, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I definitely want to piggyback off of, off of what you're saying about the WBC and their mishandling of the situation. It's unfortunate. Um, I think they should actually mandated something. I mean, if you're not, if you can't get these guys to both enter the tournament or agree, neither one of them need to fight for that that title. There doesn't need to be I a new one. I agree. You know that that that's a sham. And for us that pay attention, we know what it is. You guys trying to get more sanctioned fees ultimately. Um, and you know it's of course you know being a big organization they are, they're gonna want to attach their name to a tournament. But, you know, I don't think they had to go about it in this route, man. Um, but they definitely could have handled this a whole lot better. I agree um, 100%. Definitely wanna, anything you want to add about that one? Yeah, there, dude, there's really nothing more you need to add. You you, you, hit, it, you hit it all on the head. I agree 100% with you on, on all that you said. There was definitely a better way this could have been handled. There was just so much, you know, uh, I mean, like you said, man, this, this this should have been done in a more decisive manner that would have been more understanding for not just us, but for the fans as well. Yeah, because ultimately it does what, you know, uh, it creates another situation like the WBA with the super and regular belts, which is, uh, exactly. you know, something we were trying to, they were trying to move away from, which is, been a crock of shit as well, but you know that's another topic. Um, you know the WBC is creating this diamond belt. This is the second time they've done it. You know they did it, like I was saying with Jorge Leonarez and Anthony Croyer for their fight, and they're doing it again now uh, at the for this 168 tournament. I mean, yep. so we'll see how it goes, man. Big all right, um, so we'll go ahead and get into our next topic, which is uh, another Cuban-related topic. Uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux and Moises Flores' rematch was actually ordered finally by the WBA. Um, I mean, we knew it was going to be ordered already, considering the outcome, and they turned it into a not no con when they uh, turned it to a no contest last week. But um. I mean, I, what I really wanted to get on is uh, what have you heard about this and what do you think Rigo should do personally and what is this camp leaning towards? Because I'm like, does he need to really rematch Flores? Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a – considering what he did, the way he put him out, I think he's, he knows what shot he's going he's gonna to be picking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Already. Uh, let me get your thoughts on that one, Bo. 
Hello, hello, man. Say that again. This this phone um, came down here messing with me, man. Uh, Rigo, uh, Rigo, and uh, Flores, Moises Flores. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> the only yeah. good thing about this fight is that it keeps Rigo busy. That's it, because they ordered it. <laughs> That's the only good thing about it. It keeps Rigo busy because they ordered this fight. But uh, I, I don't particularly care for this fight. I think what Rigo needs to do is he needs to show people that he's very serious about his career. He's very serious about maybe even getting the um, Lomachenko fight and go ahead and go to 126 and challenge a champion at 126. That's what he needs to do. Or you know, like we said, look for a formidable opponent at 118 because he could still make that. But uh, Well, yeah, I, that's I, what I, I actually wanted to touch on. I, I was thinking, I mean, does he need this rematch? Like, what do you think he should do? I mean, should he take this rematch considering I, uh, I think it's going to end? He's ultimately going to knock Flores out. I mean, Rigo knows the shots, he, what he's going to pick already considering Flores couldn't hit him with any damn thing in the round that it did last. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, yeah. th- th- is this a fight he needs to take, or do you think he needs to explore his alternatives of moving down or up right now instead of taking well, this rematch? It's a fight he, he, he it's a fight he needs to take because it's a fight he, he can take and stay busy. Because if he tries to go to 126, it would be met with extreme resistance. Because remember, the motherfuckers at 126 didn't want to fight at 122. Yeah. <laughs> it's stacked with motherfuckers that didn't want to fight him at 122, so he could be trying to get a fight at 126, waiting a very long time to fight. And since we don't know what the future is of Rock Nation and its boxing side of Rock Nation, I, I wouldn't fuck around. I would at least, at the very least, I would entertain this unless we get something else better in play. I would say, look, we'll entertain this, but let's see if we can get something else better in play while we're entertaining this. That way, if we get a champion that says, listen, yeah, I'll fight you at 126, then cool. Listen, here's your acting job paid off. Here's your trophy, motherfucker, my belt. And anytime I want him, I'll come back and get your ass for him. And that's, that's what, in my opinion, that's what he should do. All right. And uh, what's going on with him promotionally, considering the Rock Nation thing? Are they exploring avenues right now, or is it something like, you know, because we're hearing that they're good, they were supposed to fold after – you know, that's possibly this Andre Ward uh, promotion. So, right. I mean, um, like, well, what's the deal with this camp? Are they actually seeking other promotional avenues right now, or are they ironclad with Rock Nation till the announcement of the folding? Right now, right now, the only thing that I can say is uh, they have been told nothing about uh, – his contract. So they're proceeding as if he's still operating under Rock Nation. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and go to our next topic, man. Um, I mean, well, I'll go ahead and put, uh, put my take on it, I guess. Um, I think Rigo, personally, I don't think this – the only reason why I say take the rematch is because it'll put, he'll be able to put some closure to it. The fight ended, in, of course, with some controversy and, of course, with the no contest. So that's the only thing I think he has to gain from this fight. I don't think he has to gain anything legacy-wise or anything like that fighting Flores in the rematch, but it will clean up that no contest off his record just to bring some closure to it. 
other than that, um, I mean, we we've talked about this plenty of times, man. Uh, Rigo, one eighteen, get you some of that UK money. I mean, ultimately, that's what I would do if I was Rigo. I wouldn't even think about one twenty six. Um, if you, if the only thing, only thing that would make me move up is a Lomachenko fight, nothing beyond that. I would, I wouldn't go up for anybody else but Lomachenko. So that, that's just my opinion. Uh, Gary Russell is probably the only guy that would be willing to fight you out of those guys at 126. And I mean, it would take a lot to make that happen still. So, I mean, here you go. Definitely stay at. We want to see you active. Um, we'll, we'll keep our eye out on the Rock Nation situation because um, we're hearing more stagnant numbers as far as uh, the Andre Ward promotion, you know, with the uh, free tickets and all this stuff going. Man, it's ridiculous, the stuff coming out about, is, that, uh, about that promotion. It is. And, you know, the, the, the really sad thing is whether you like Cole or don't like him, man, he – Kola probably barely walked out this fight with a million dollars. Barely. Barely walked out this fight with a million dollars. And that's pathetic. And that's sad. And yeah. You know, while, while everybody's up there. Chris, Chris was saying he might come out with that, but after those, that, that ticket, those tickets, and we're hearing it's not actually closer to 92,000 pay-per-view buys, man, um, he might, yeah, he. I think he's pulling less than that. Yeah, and, and, and it's sad because everybody's all upset at Andre Ward and upset at Andre Ward. And y'all not realizing what, what's being done in this man Kovalev. Y'all could be mad at Andre Ward, but look at what's being done in this man Kovalev. And, and then sit back and tell me who's the real robbers and thieves. Exactly. All right. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, get into our next topic. Um, I guess we're, we'll start our breakdowns of uh, – this weekend's upcoming fights. Um, we got a couple of nice ones, man. It's going to be a nice weekend of fights, honestly. Um, you know, it was kind of dry last weekend. We only had the the, the fight over in uh, Scotland, I believe, which was uh, O'Hara Davies and uh, oh boy, that knocked him. Um, Josh Taylor, and I talked Taylor. about that. Yeah, I talked yeah. about that with two separate UK people, uh, and. They all predicted it, or they predicted it, or what? What was they the situation? Were, they were yeah. not surprised. They were not surprised at the outcome. They were I not mean, O'Hara Davies has always been sloppy as hell. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, how he won the WBC silver silver belt, I have no clue personally. But I mean, they were trying to market him as their version of a uh, Floyd Mayweather. Adrian Broner. No, 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 no. He was the UK version of Adrian Broner. Okay, okay. Better comparison, I guess. Um, but that was pretty much what they were set to do. And, you know, he didn't have the skills technically to, to, to even do it, you know, but other than having uh, power, you know, because he definitely did hit Taylor with some shots in that fight, you know. But Taylor, mm-hmm. better to the better technique, you know, better fundamentals, skills pay the bills, got him out of there. Body shots wore his ass down, but um, like I said, we were going to go into our uh, breakdown for uh, this weekend's fights. Um, first one being um, Chris Eubank Jr. versus Arthur Abraham, winner going into the uh, 168 World Boxing Super Series tournament uh, with the number three seed and IBO belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Let me get your thoughts on this one, man. Uh, how you see it playing out, Bo? I like this fight. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something about the Eubank. Say what you want to say about them. They know how to bring that American-style promotion to their fights. Because think about this. Who would have thought the crowd? You had Andre Ward. You had commentating. You had somebody else commentating for a fucking IBO title fight. <laughs> Who would have I mean, Think about that. Just, just let that come in your brain. You had Andre Ward, the number one pound-for-pound guy. I uh, forget somebody else. Lennox Lewis, you had all these people for a fucking IBO title fight. And uh, an IBO is not a belt that's recognized as far as you having to get it to be undisputed. An IBO is, 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 is like an IBO is like that, that, that is like you, you have a father, and the father has, he has uh, four children, which is the WBC, the WBA, the IBF and the WBO, all by his wife, and then he has that bastard child, which is the IBO. (laughs) 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 But, I mean, when you think about it, that's kind of how that scenario is, right? Like I'm definitely going to use this from now on. We're going to start calling calling it that bastard belt. Um, right, that's 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 what it is—the illegitimate bastard organization. <laughs> <laughs> but the Eubanks know how to promote an American style, and I think that's because his father has had experience with that. So, um, it's a good fight for Chris Eubanks. You know, Chris Eubanks—he uh, fought. Uh, you know, he 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 had some. He's had some uh, some good fights. He fought Billy Joe Saunders, and I think Billy Joe Saunders is probably the only recognizable yeah, name that most yeah. of us would even recognize up until that time. And and he really didn't do that bad. He just didn't do enough to win the fight, but he didn't do that bad. But uh, Arthur yeah. Abrams, like I said, I, I, listen, Arthur Abrams isn't the same Arthur Abrams that he was uh, during the Super Six tournament. Like I said, he he didn't look that great against Zordo. So Eubanks has the athleticism. He has the 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 euphemism. Uh, he has the speed. He has all the advantages, maybe except in power. And that's where it's going to come down to is uh, Ab- the last thing that leaves you is power. Abrams can punch. The last thing you ever lose is power. We saw a forty-year-old George Foreman knock out Michael Moore, knock him the fuck out. So the last thing you lose is power. So uh, he's just going to have to be careful of that power. But he should he should not have a problem with Abrams. They talking about knocking him out. Too many times do I hear people say that. Then when you get in there and you get that woof and you feel that you you throw your punch and you see that punch come back at you and you realize, listen, I I don't got the guns to match this. Then you know he's going to revert back to his boxing skills. So I see, I definitely see Eubanks Jr. winning this fight. But I mean, you know, Abrams has a puncher's chance, and some and sometimes having a puncher's chance against a a, a fighter who has the tools and the skills to offset that. It's just not enough. Yeah. Um, I definitely uh, agree with the um, we're, we're going to need to see old Arthur. I mean, that's all I can say. That's his only chance. We need to see old Arthur, rugged Arthur. I mean, he's going to have the, the, the rough uh, Eubanks up somehow, and he wasn't able to do it to Zerto. I mean, because all the punches and the different uh, angles, you know, Zerto, of course, is technically sound and knows how to the pivot out of his combinations and he, you know, he, it's not something you necessarily see, you know, uh, 
strong for Mexican fighters that size, you know what I'm saying? 168. Um, so he's definitely really technically sound with the moving. Uh, moving. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to see from Christopher Eubank. Is he going to try to use more of the ring box, which I, I, I expect, um, which is something that could fluster um, Abraham as well, having to chase him down all fight and being on the end of punches, you know, uh, which is something that, you know, you have their main offensive against Abraham. That's the one thing. If you allow him to rough you up, he will make it a rugged fight, and that's I don't think Eubanks uh, Jr. would be able to handle if uh, Abraham was able to get was able to make it a very physical fight. Um, let me get your take on that aspect of it, bro. Yeah, it makes it a rough and rugged fight. But the, but we see the thing is though, in order for him to make it a rough and rugged fight, he has to hope that Chris Eubanks stop moving and stays and you know backs up into his ropes and stays stationary. And Chris, say what you want about Chris Eubanks, he isn't a stationary guy. He does like to move a lot. In his last fight, he, you know, he moved and dipped and all of that. So um, I hear what you're saying. And it's very possible because, like you said, Abrams, he can make it a rough and rugged fight. And if he makes it too rough and rugged, he could kind of offset the rhythm of Eubanks, especially if the referee isn't helping him out at all. He could offset the rhythm. But that is, he's going to have to make it a rough and rugged fight. He's that he's going to have to make it grimy for, in order for him to have some type of uh, victory to offset. But I just think that Chris Eubanks does have very, you know, he's not very good, but he has decent enough technical skills and decent enough movement to where he should, he should be able to keep Arthur Abrams off balance. Okay. Um, I definitely think uh, Eubanks should, should be able to come out with the unanimous decision. Uh, in this one as well. Um, I don't see the knockout. Um, but Zerto was able to uh, hurt Abraham a couple times, not necessarily get him out of there, but um, it's going to take uh, a lot of output from Ebanks to get, get Arthur out of there. You know, he's a rugged guy, veteran, savvy, knows how to survive in there, um, even now. So we'll go ahead and go into the next fight. We'll be previewing for the weekend, which is a uh, – one that will be happening in L.A., uh, I believe, this weekend um, on HBO's undercard. Uh, Joe Smith Jr. Uh, taking on Sullivan Barrera, a light heavyweight uh, man. Uh, yeah, I guess this is for the net, the guy that's going to be next up after Alvarez, supposedly, for the WBC belt, I'm thinking. Um, that's that's right. what this is for. Okay. That's right. Um let me go ahead and get your thoughts on this, man. This is a very interesting fight, man. A uh, very interesting fight. It is a very interesting fight. And you know what? The, the thing that makes it even more interesting is these are two guys that uh, have contrasting styles, but outside of the styles being contrasting, I can see the advantages for one guy being a disadvantage for him. Sullivan Herrera does come with the Cuban pedigree, but he doesn't come with that high Cuban pedigree, meaning that he's part of the Cuban team, but he was never part of that Cuban national well, – I think he was part of the national team, but he was never part of the team that went to the Olympics because of his fighting style. So he's, he, even though he has that pedigree, it's not that high Cuban pedigree, but it still is a good enough pedigree to where you have to pay attention to it. Sullivan Barreto, um, he gets hit. We know this. He can. He, you can hit him. We saw Andre Ward counter and hit him. We saw 
when he had uh, what was the guy's name? Sabransky hurt. Yeah. Like he had Sabransky, but Sabransky was able to hit him to get out of trouble and come back. And then, so he gives you moments where he, you know, he loses his technique or he abandons his technique, and you know, gives you an opportunity to hit him. But he is a very good box. He has better boxing skills than Joe Smith. He's a better mover than Joe Smith. And, you know, Joe Smith has been fortunate because he fought up on Fada, who was not a, a mover and stood right, a stationary target stood right in front of him. Um, I take nothing away from him. He fought a Bernard Hopkins, but he also fought a Bernard Hopkins that got himself up against the ropes and spaced it. <laughs> and he was able to land and, and knock him out. So he's riding the highway, but then again, if you look at Sullivan Barretta, like to take nothing away from Fonfado or Bernard Hopkins, but if I was to take Fonfado and Bernard Hopkins at this stage, and I was to take um, the, the the two guys that 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 Beretta beat since losing to Andre Ward, you know he beat Shabransky and he beat somebody else. If I was to take that and look at it, and I say, hey, I'm not knocking. Well, Shabransky, Shabransky's the only one. The other guy that was okay. um, just a crap stay busy fight recently. Okay, okay, right. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, if I look at Shabransky. And I'd say, okay, Shabransky and Fonfada, uh, that's a better uh, quality of opponent in my mind when you consider the skill level that Shabransky brings versus the skill level that Fonfada brings that he had to deal with. So I like it. Yeah, see what I'm saying? So I like it. Uh, He's going to have to watch Joe Smith Powell because Joe Smith right now, like both of these guys is coming in with a wave of confidence. They're coming in with uh, a wave of of, uh, believability in themselves. The only difference is I think Barrera has the skill to win. The problem is, does he have the IQ to implement his skill set over a course of a 12-round period? That's going to be the issue with Sullivan Barrera. Yeah, um, I'm definitely interested to see how it plays out stylistically. Um, I mean, we've seen Barrera be able to uh, box pretty effective recently. You know, Shabransky. That that was actually a more uh, a pretty impressive win if you actually think about it. Um, uh, you know, Sobranski was that one of those guys up and coming at 175, like we're seeing now with from the Eastern uh, from the Eastern Euro block with all the rest of them, Devol and you know uh, uh, what's his name, Kovacic and all these other guys. You know, he's Sobranski was included in that crop of them. You know, um, the guys that are considered to be the next stage of contenders. Um, you know, within within a fight or two, you know, that stage, you know. So these guys are very close to being on the brink of, of title stardom. And, you know, Sullivan Barrera took him out, you know, the guy that was riding the high wave as well. <clears throat> so, I mean, um, both of these guys, like you said, are riding the high wave. Uh, you should probably say, as far as the more notable names, Joe Smith has them, of course, in uh, Fonfero and uh, B-Flop at the time. That's what we're going to call them from that fight. That was not B-Hop. That was B-Flop that he beat in there. We got oh, I that. got some for B-Flop, Mr. My Ankle Hurt, uh, at the end for the final blow. Y'all might want to stay tuned for that. I, mean, I got some for that ass. Well, you you seen the suppression sorts, uh, the suppression socks and all that, just to keep the blood flowing. So I mean, he might not be lying. <laughs> but, but um, I mean, I'm actually thinking uh, 
I think Barrera could actually pull the knockout in this one. We see Favara uh, had Joe Smith hurt in their mm-hmm. fight, and I think Barrera has the kind of the accuracy to where he could time Joe Smith. Well, I think he's going to kind of put try and put more pressure, be more of a pressure fighter in this one. Um, man, uh, we our boy Diesel's actually been preparing uh, with Joe Smith, uh, been in his mm-hmm. camp training. But um, we mm-hmm. should have tried and get him. We should have got him on the damn show. I don't know what I was thinking. He could actually broke it down for us um, as far as what they've been doing. They can't possibly or, you know, what he's seeing from Joe. Um, he's saying Joe's looking dangerous, though, and not to count him out. He's saying his boxing skills are uh, underrated as far as a boxer. That's not necessarily what we've come to think of Joe Smith initially, but he's saying right. his boxing skills are highly underrated from what he's seen from him. Let's keep camp. one thing in mind, too, though. Sullivan Barrera um, left Abel Sanchez because Sanchez was trying to make him a power punch, and he went back to Miami down there with Mundo and Salas and them and reinvigorated his skills. And that's the Sullivan Barrera we're seeing now, the Sullivan Barrera that, you know, actually has some good boxing skills. So, it's it, and then if you what you're saying about Joe Smith putting it, putting boxing together because if you got power and you can you can put some boxing moves together and light heavyweight you're dangerous you can be a dangerous light heavyweight. My only thing about uh, Barrera in this fight is he tends to keep his punches out there too long. Yes, and I'm you know that's what I would be worried about in this fight is Joe Smith because that's how Shabransky actually was able to counter. Uh, Sullivan Barrera in their fight, you know, uh, Barrera holding his punches out there too long, which I think is a, I think that's one of those bad habits that that's set in for amateurs more than more than anything, and nobody's ever really been on them about it in the pros. Um, so I, that is the one thing I'd be uh, worried about. You know, Joe Smith is, is become known as become becoming known as this power puncher. We've seen Burrow go down in a couple of his fights against Ward and, of course, against Shabransky. So, I mean, yep. that, that's the thing to look out for in this one. But he does seem to uh, be reinvigorated since uh, leaving that uh, Sanchez camp, you know, and going down to Miami. Okay. Um, so the next fight that we'll be uh, previewing is, uh, man, this is actually a pretty uh, pretty uh, interesting one as well. No, it isn't. Um, yeah, it is. No, it yeah, is. Yeah, it is. I think you only made this to fuck with me. I think you only put this on here to fuck with me. <laughs> I mean, your boy was that close to a damn title shot, man. I, I, we didn't even know it. You know what? That's what's crazy. Nobody suspected that he was that damn close to a title shot before he did what he did. But anyways, man. Uh, we got Jezreel Corrales making his debut with a. Uh, is this his debut or a second fight with Golden Boy? Who? Uh, Jezreel Corrales. Uh, I think this uh, is his, day, his, his first his fight because wasn't he with Top Rank? Yeah, yeah. Actually, this was this is his first one with a uh, with a uh, Golden Boy because they he's set this right. up for for your boy. So yeah, this is his first one uh, with Golden Boy. He was signed. Uh, uh, recently, um, after the the, the Gamboa Gamboa the debacle, uh, but Corrales will be defending the WBA Junior Lightweight Title against Robinson Castellanos. 
Um, he's moving up in weight for this fight. You know, they fought at or did let me see. They 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 did fight at one thirty actually. So no, he's not. He moved up in weight to fight. Uh, to fight um Yuriokis Gambo last in his last fight. So he'll be fighting, you know, his second. This is his second fight at 130 against Jezreel Corrales. Um, let me get your thoughts on this fight, man. It's actually pretty interesting um, stylistically. Um, don't let the records fool you. Like we always say, the cherry don't always know he's a cherry. Um, Castellanos has been in there against some dogs. And, yeah, don't let the record fool you with him. Uh, a Salido type of story. Um, go ahead, Bo. Let me get your thoughts on this fight and uh, who you got taking it. Uh, good fight, Corrales. All right. Um, what you want I'm, me to talk long on a fight that I don't? Is, fuck this fight, man. This my fuck this motherfucker. Are you that? I can't. You that mad at him about it? Uh, no, actually. You know what? This like you 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 hit it right on the head. This is actually a very good a good fight because when you look at it, uh, Robinson Castellanos is an interesting story because he beat Rocky Juarez and then he he beats Rocky Juarez but then loses to uh, uh, Oscar Escadón and then beats, you know what I'm saying, then beats Unesco Gamboa. So it's like he's one of those dudes that for some reason, man, he'll, he'll beat like, uh, you know, uh, a higher, you know, uh, he beat uh, Caballero. So he'll beat these, like, higher dudes, but they lose to these who the fucks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dog, what the hell? So he, it's interesting, but like you said, don't let the, don't let the record fool you. Uh, him being 24 and 12 don't mean that, that record is very deceiving because what people have to understand, too, a lot of times guys will take fights on very short notice. Guys will, will take a fight like, you know, with a two-week notice or a one-week notice. So, but I, I actually, I, I actually like this fight only because what he did to Gamboa, I could see him doing this to Corrales because Corrales throws wide looping punches. He can come over the top with his right hand. Corrales is not exactly the most fundamentally sound guy either himself. Corrales is sometimes Corrales can get kind of wild in there, and we do know you can put him down. So. It's a it's it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting fight where you can actually see either one of these guys, uh, you know, winning this fight. Now Corrales has never been knocked out; he just has a loss. He has a decision loss, but but I definitely I, I can definitely see uh, uh, where Castellanos can be effective. But at the same time, you have from a, I want to say from an experience standpoint, I mean. I'd be, you know, talk, uh, I can't pronounce that dude's name. Ushi Castellanos. Yeah, uh, no, uh, uh, Jaguar Corrales, right. Corrales beat Ushiyama. He beat him one time by knockout, then he, then he beat him second time by decision. So he's riding a really high uh, split decision, too. So he's riding a high wave. I actually thought that maybe Ushiyama won that fight, but he did start off kind of slow. But Corrales can, Corrales throws those looping punches. And We've seen that Castellano, if you throw a looping hook, he comes right over the top with a straight right hand, and he's relentless. Like, this dude is relentless, and he's on you. And that's kind of a weakness for um, Corrales. Not the way he loses, but I'm saying that's a weakness where when the guy's coming at him, he's not exactly an inside fighter. He needs space. So it's an interesting matchup. Um, I'm going to pick Castellanos to win only because 
He beat Gamboa, so I would hate to see him lose after beating Gamboa. When beat Gamboa, win a fucking title. That way, it can legitimize your victory over Gamboa. Shit. I mean, uh, man, if I'm a betting guy, a gambler, like uh, that old powdered egg drinking motherfucker QK, who can join us this evening, but still going to have to edit this part and hear it. <laughs> uh, we got a we got a long list of motherfuckers to call out. <laughs> now, if, if, I, if I'm a gambler, man, um, I actually uh, would not be mad. I, I would actually put some money down as an underdog on. Um, it's definitely one of those fights stylistically that could play into his hands and. You know, like I said, he has a Salido type of story. The only thing he's missing is a world title. You know what I'm saying? That is the only thing he's missing is a, is a world title. Um, he's beat the guys that nobody's expected him to beat. And as Bo said, he's lost the ones that he should have. But Eskandone, I, I got to give you that one. He he was actually up on that fight and was close to knocking him out. You yeah. know, and yeah, he got kind of careless and caught himself. So that's why I'm like moving up to 130. Um, Eskandone is actually a bigger puncher than we realize. Uh, Gary Russell actually said the same thing post-fight yes. um, after yes. fighting him. Uh, Eskandone is actually a powerful puncher. Um, but, you know, Corrales was able to knock out the long-reigning guy in Uchiyama. Um, he's not necessarily known as a power puncher. But you know, it's the punch you don't see that could put you out as well. Um, so that's one of my things is uh, you know, with those looping punches, I think Castellanos, you know, in his high activity and keeping his hands down, he he could get caught with one like that and knocked out, you know, as uh you know, he was against Escondone. But it you know, Corrales doesn't have that kind of power, but like I was saying, um, the one you don't see is the one that could put you out. So, but um, I mean, I'm actually leaning towards towards Castellanos, man. Like I've seen enough from him to where I, I don't doubt him in in fights. You know, um, it's interesting because he's at 130 now, and he has a I won't say a style similar to Lomachenko, but as far as creating the angles and using his legs to uh, you know the pivoting. He is uh, he is similar to Lomachenko in that fashion, you know, just not the same uh, technically sound guy, but as far as the pivoting and that, he's similar to Lomachenko, and with him fighting at 130 now, I just think that's pretty interesting. Um, but anyways, we'll go ahead and go to uh, the next one that's coming up this weekend, which I believe is uh, well, we got Miguel Burchelt fighting. Ooh. Uh, he'll be defending his uh, WBC Junior Lightweight title for the first time against uh, Takashi Mira, who's an ex titleist himself, um, at 130. Man, this is uh, this fight has a fight of the year, fight of the year written all over it. I mean, fireworks. We missed it because it's the fourth. If you missed the Fourth of July, you're gonna get your fireworks in this one. You're gonna make up for it. Um, Bo, let me get your thoughts, uh, prediction on this one. How you see it going? 
love this fight. This fight I'm geared up for. It's funny, too, because you got that fight. You got Omar Figueroa versus Robert Go Guerrero, uh, Sean Monaghan versus Brown. So, But this fight here is the fight that I'm, I'm looking at like if there's any fight I watched this weekend is this one. Listen, this has, like you said, fight of your candidacy on it because these are two guys. We They were on each other's fight going to war with, with the other guy. Like Muda went to war with, uh, what's that guy's name? I can't remember that guy's name he went to war with. But Muda was going to war with this one guy after coming off of uh, the Vargas. Uh, no, 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 no. no. No, um, uh, uh, Muda went to war because he was on the Vargas virtual undercard, and he went to war with another guy on that undercard. And I can't think of the guy's name. But anyway, he goes to war with that guy. And then right after that, we saw Birchup go to war with uh, uh, Vargas, and he wins the fight. And the thing about that Muda fight was that was a fight he was actually losing. Oh, my God, against Roman, Roman. Okay, I know you talked about now. Yeah. Right, that's it. That was a fight he was losing, and he just kept going hard to the paint, hard to the body, hard to the paint, and hard to the body, okay? He just kept going, and, and he wound up winning that fight. Now, uh, I got Burchell winning this fight. I'm going to tell you why. The only reason why he was able to beat Miguel Roman because Miguel Roman didn't have enough firepower. He didn't have enough firepower because he, he had more to hurt a few times, but he just didn't have enough firepower to, to, to get him out of there or get him off of him. Birchup has that firepower. Birchup has the firepower to get you off of his ass. Birchup has the firepower to, you know what I'm saying, to if he gets you hurt, like uh, um, um, uh, uh, Roman had, had more there, he can put him out, he can put him down. And he, he, he has a very high energy he has a very high energy output uh, um, in, in a fight. So he's high energy. He's high output. And he can get a late knockout. Like I said, he stopped Birchup late in the fight. He was still punching hard late. I mean, Birchup stopped Vargas late in the fight. He was still punching hard late in the fight. So, and, you know, if, 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 uh, if Vargas was able to knock him out, and Vargas, I don't believe, hits as hard as Birchup, then Birchup should be able to knock him out. They're like, Birchup is one of those dudes, and I remember somebody telling me this. Birchup is so dangerous of a fighter that Rocky Martinez chose to fight Orlando Salido a second time instead of fighting Birchup. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Takashi's been in some wars, man. Uh, we can just leave mm-hmm. that that in there. I think is uh, you know he was a champ like we said, but he's been in some wars. You know, uh, yeah. You look at the Francisco Vargas fight. You look at the uh, Miguel Roman fight, and you know what we're going to get from him and uh, Miguel Burcho. Um It's definitely going to be a war for as long as it lasts. Um, Burchill's the bigger guy. You know, he has the four-inch reach advantage and the high output to go with it. So, I mean, um, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting because, you know, Muir has that puncher's chance because he has, you know, he, he puts in the work and he's seen him go to work against Vargas and he, he put everything out there. Um, same thing against Roman. Uh, that would probably be my only concern. I mean, Burchell doesn't need to get himself in these kind of wars because he's going to end up 
being a next friend of Bandito Vargas eventually, you know, if he continues. But, you know, like you said, the high output, I expect him to uh, be able to stop Takashi Mirror in this fight. That That's my take. Hmm. Yeah, I do expect him. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, just to put that out there, you know, Burchell does have a knockout loss. Like I said, it's always a puncher's chance, but if I'm, I'm definitely going with him being the one that's going to knock Mira out in this one. Um, I, I think he's actually going to overwhelm Mira, um, probably within within seven. Uh, I see like seventh round knockout in this one for him. Uh, I, I just think the volume is going to get to him. But like I said, why did your candidate for as long as the last? Yeah. I agree. All right. Um, so I guess that's it. Um, as far as the fights we're breaking down for the weekend, that that's the big uh, conclusion one. Um, that's a card that's going to be held on HBO this weekend. So check that out, y'all. Um, and then the following week after that, I think we have uh, no, that's not the Garcia Boner week. That's the week after. But um, you know, we still got some some big cards coming up this summer, y'all. So just be paying attention. Only seven months through the year in boxing, and it's been tremendous. Um, oh, can we get a final blow from you on this one? Oh, you, you didn't do right, the U O E, you know? Yeah, let me go ahead and do that one, Ashley. Um, I'll go ahead and drop the U O E, you know, which is actually a pretty good one this week. Um, for the for the big boxing historians out there, like Scott Knight. Shout out to him um, and R D B two. And of course, championship rounds. Um, but yeah, he's uh, one of those historians that that chop it up with us. But he'll like this one. Um, on this day, uh, Randall Turbin upset Sugar Ray Robinson by decision to win a world middleweight title in London um, in fifteen in a fifteen round fight. So you know, a shout out to him. Upset a legend. Um, man, that, that's pretty interesting, right there overseas too. Man. It is. That shows you how, uh, you know, these guys, the fighters back in the day used to get down. You know, Sugar Ray Robinson was the big guy. He went over to the other guys on down yeah. to defend his shit. To defend, not to win it, to defend it. But to, to, so, to defend, listen exactly. To what I said. Yeah, listen to what I said. To defend it, not to not to win it. So it exactly. just shows you the mind state, mind state of those boxers from that era back then. Um, but let me go ahead and kick it to Bo and uh, try and get a, get a final blow out of him. Now, before I start the final blow, I want to point something out that I think people aren't looking at. We have not where you have at least four heavyweight, um, middleweight, uh, light heavyweight, and I believe it is the super lightweight, where you could possibly twenty if if everything keeps playing out the way it is come twenty eighteen have four undisputed champions that has never been done before. If Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder fights Joseph Park and win, then they fight each other, and that's for all the belts. If uh, Andre Ward is, well, they're one fight away from it. Let's say that these are one fights away. If Andre Ward was and and win that fight, then, you know, he's undisputed. We are, If Gennady Golovkin does beat Carnelo Alvarez and fights Billy Joe Saunders, he's undisputed. Then, of course, we know what's going on with Terrence Crawford and Ndongo. So that's an excellent feat that I want everybody to look at. We are one or two fights away from having four undisputed champions in the division. So let's try to make that happen. 
my final blow is probably what my partner would see the fuckery of <laughs> the fuckery of boxing award. Uh, let me break this down to you guys, okay? Because I don't want people to get misinterpret what I'm saying. Floyd Mayweather decides to play the villain. Floyd Mayweather gets on our nerves. Floyd Mayweather is a coon. I'll be the first one to say it. I don't like who he is. The person he is outside of boxing can't fucking stand him, okay? Uh, does he do some good things? Of course he does some good things. You know, of course he does some good things, but Floyd Mayweather has coon tendency and has done some coon shit, all right? Uh, his personality, the money man, makes you not want to, makes you not want to like him, makes you hate him, okay? Makes you hope and wait for his downfall and shit to fall down on him. He does. I'll be the first one to say that, right? Now, with all that being said, I'm going to need a one Bernard Hopkins and a one Tim Bayless to shut the fuck up. I'm going to need y'all to shut the fuck up, and I'm going to tell y'all why I'm going to need y'all to shut the fuck up. We all there was a thing that come out, and it, this always happens whenever Floyd has a fight coming up where some type of scandal or some type of shit come out about something he did. Now, recently we know Floyd Mayweather owed back taxes for one fucking year, which is 2015. Right? The IRS like, yo, man, you owe us back tax for one fucking year, 2015, okay? Floyd has the money, but what does Floyd do? Floyd said, well, let me pay y'all after the Conor McGregor fight. So what Floyd did is what we do when we sit and pay bills and you got a bill that's due on the, 5th, on the 12th. You got the money, but you want to hold that bill off till you get paid on the 20th. So what do you do? You call the electric company and you say, hey, listen, um, can I get an extension to the 20th? And I'll pay y'all on the 20th because that's when I get paid. And you have the money. You just don't want to yank it out right now, right? So we all have done this shit, right? Okay. And I'm saying this because everybody seems to be just wanting to go in and talk shit about this situation with him owing back taxes. And the people that are doing it, you were fucking quiet when it was Manny Pacquiao that owed $60 million in back taxes. So he had years he wasn't fucking paying. He was fucking quiet when Manny Pacquiao said that animals are better than homosexuals. That was fucking quiet when that shit happened. Skip Bayless didn't have nothing to say when that went down. And if he said something, it was extremely fucking little. Extremely fucking little. Now, I'll say it again. Floyd Mayweather do make you, can't, you can't wait for shit to happen to him bad. But if you can't say the same thing when it's the fighter that you like, you can't say shit when it's the fighter that you don't like. If you're going to be quiet when we look up and we see Manny Pacquiao make excuse after excuse after excuse for why he lost the fucking fight, if you're going to sit back and be quiet after you see how uh, 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 football players are being treated, like Carmen Kaepernick is being treated for only doing something he felt was fucking right, and you're going to be fucking quiet about that shit, then you need to be quiet about this right here, all right? You really do, Skip Bay. You need to shut the fuck up and be fucking quiet because if we really want to keep it real, there are hundreds of athletes out there that are in the same position as fucking Floyd and worse. So if you're not going to talk about their situation, I'm going to need you to shut the fuck up. And, 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 if, and if you really want to be honest, Skip Bayless, Pacquiao came back because he needed fucking money. He came back because he needed fucking money. Okay, Floyd is coming back because he likes the spotlight. He's getting paid $100 million. Pacquiao's coming back because he, he needs the fucking money. And he came back before Floyd. So if we're we really going to keep it a buck, let's call it what it is. And I need Bernard Hopkins to shut the fuck up because Bernard Hopkins 
went on this long-ass, fucking stupid-ass soliloquy on the Breakfast Club, okay? And he wanted to tell us how, oh, no, 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 Floyd don't make that much money. All that money Floyd get, he pays out to people. Bernard, in business, that's what the fuck happens. You have the head honcho. The head honcho has his right-hand man. Then, the, 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 like, you have the CEO. Then you have the COO. Then you have the director of this. Then you have the director of that. Then you have the minions, the, the, you know, the grunts. That's in business. But the head dude that makes the most money is the motherfucker that called the shots, okay? And in business that is growing, you can't control everything. So you have people that you pay to take care of this or take care of this and take care of that. So I don't know what the fuck it was he was trying to get to about how, oh, no, no, uh, Floyd has people that do this and do that. Well, in business, that's what motherfuckers do in business. They got people that do shit for them. That's why they have a business, okay? So, but I'm going to need you to shut up because you're the same Bernard Hopkins that once said how a white boy wouldn't beat you. You're the same Bernard Hopkins that threw a Puerto Rican flag on the fucking ground and started a riot when you fought Tito Trinidad. You're the same motherfucking Bernard Hopkins who won us that had excuse after excuse after excuse for every time you fucking lost. Oh, yeah, and you're the same Bernard Hopkins that didn't have a motherfucking thing to say about the racist emails for a company that your bitch ass worked for. Okay, so I'm going to need you to be quiet because since you cannot address your own shit, you shouldn't talk about nobody else because you made it appear for years you was the strong, you was the strong black man for everything fucking black. You was the strong motherfucking black dude that wanted everybody to understand how shit needs to be fair because of you, you was being mistreated. But now that you're in a position of power, now that you're in a position of making money, you want to shit on the next motherfucker, you're doing to Floyd what Floyd did to Andre fucking Ward. And it fucking sucks that both of you motherfuckers are like that. So, Bernard, you need to shut the fuck up because your house ain't that straight either, okay? And, and you're a businessman now. So in business, you, Bernard, can you honestly tell me that you know how much y'all pay for the papers y'all bring in? Bernard, can you honestly tell me that you know how much that y'all actually put down for every fucking venue y'all have fights in? Can you honestly tell me that? Or do you have people that you have go out and look at that shit? Yes, while you were talking at the breakfast club, I bet you had a motherfucker taking care of something for you. So please, Bernard, please, if you can't check your own house and your shit ain't right, you need to shut the fuck up, okay? Again, I know Floyd makes y'all mad. I know Floyd puts that shit up in y'all face and makes y'all can't wait for shit to happen. I know that. I know that. But when the time comes, when it's you or the fighter that you like that's in that same position, because here's the reality. One thing we know is Floyd got the money. We saw that in the letter. What did he say? Hey, yeah, okay, I got the money, but it's tied up in other things. And in business, when you're a business owner, you do have your money tied up in other things. You just can't liquidate them at the time because they're tied up in other things. Why? Because you're running a fucking business. And you know this, Bernard. And since you guys at over there, Golden Boy, had the nerve to write letters talk trying to publicly trash PBC and ruin the, the lives of other fighters just like yourself, you can suck a syphilis, H-I-V-S-T-D dick, motherfucker. I don't want to hear from you. Your shit ain't right either. So that's my final blow. If you're not ready to be fair, if you're not ready to get your own shit in order, don't talk about it. I didn't talk about it when it was Manny. I didn't talk about it when it was Floyd. You know why? Because we see this shit every fucking day on a daily basis with motherfuckers having a little bit of money issue. Why? Because they got too much going on. They can't control every part of it. Very true. Good point right there, man. Definitely a good way to end the show on that note. Um, we gonna head and uh, do all the handles for everybody, uh, since you know they couldn't make it on tonight. 
Um, you know, you can catch, uh, of course, 2K, the Prodigy of Boxing, on YouTube. Uh, that's his uh, new channel, or uh, Switch Up, Prodigy of Boxing. Um, you can catch Big Cool um, on Facebook and YouTube with Colossal Boxing Talk. Um, I believe he's also on Twitter, same thing. Um, and I'll let you do the honors for uh, you and uh, Bernard, man. Go ahead, Bo. Yeah, you can catch me. And my man Bernard, my man Bernard also does, uh, he runs the Movement Instagram page, and he puts some skits up there. They're very funny. You guys should check them out. He also does something with Malachi, which is Malachi versus everybody. But you can also check, catch him on the show with me. And choose the facts about boxing uh, on the YouTube page. Subscribe. It's free, y'all. Damn. Uh, also, uh, Instagram. <laughs> catch him on Instagram, truth underscore fact box one. And uh, Twitter, capital T for truth. Cap, uh, underscore capital F for Fat Box One, uh, Pound for Pound Boxing. Shout out to everybody out there, Pound for Pound Boxing, uh, Boxing Beats and Rhyme, Rope of Dope. Of course, our boys right here at the Movement, Guard Your Grill. Um, just every we live, we sleep boxing. Everybody out there doing their thing. Ring Guy Q has a fire podcast, and an extra special big shout out to uh, uh, Derek James for for getting his guy Rob uh, Robert into that 168-pound tournament. I, I think some big things is coming to them. And 2017 has been a great year so far with boxing. Let's not mar 2017 with the hatred and disdain that we have for other fighters. Let's enjoy these fights. Let's give these guys these credit. And, you know, man, 2017, scale of 1 to 10, I give it an 8.5. Man, and just think, you know, the stuff we got coming up, other than, you know, we, we don't talk about the circus. On this show, we were we done a done a, a service to ourselves and not talking about it. You know, we got a, the bigger show coming up after that, man. The Triple G and Canelo, ultimately, the the the, pen, the penultimate fight of the year, and that's only in September. So you know, we're gonna have a couple more months of other big fights coming after that. So if that doesn't excite you, I mean, man, I'm thinking we could possibly see. Sean Porter versus Danny Garcia this year. That's just me. This year for the WBC interim title, that would be some dope shit right there. I'm thinking we're close to seeing that uh, being announced. Um, but anyways, man, uh, yeah, I'm trying to divine liberty. Um, you can catch me on hoopjab.com um, and, of course, on the movement, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Bernard does a good job of holding it down, though, so I've been letting him run wild and do his kids, man. Been pretty good uh, reception, so big up to him. Um, other than that, man, you can catch us next week. Uh, we try to do this thing every Sunday, but, you know, things pop up in the rise. So for the most part, man, you can catch us uh, every Sunday generally um, unless something happens. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for the continued support, man, and uh, – yeah, like Bo says, click the damn like button and subscribe on YouTube. Peace. <laughs>